Welcome to the Becoming Eva podcast, where we discuss real-life issues from a woman's perspective. Becoming Eva seeks to break the silence within the female community while fostering authenticity, transparency, and healing. We're We're your hosts, Latoya Moore and Maya Dawson. Let's get started. Good morning. Good morning, Becoming Eva fans. Uh, we are running a, just a couple minutes behind with all the, you know, no power in Atlanta. Um, and whew, it's just been one of those mornings. Yes, one of those weeks. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm sure everybody, at least in the Atlanta metro area, is recovering a little bit. But it's all good. It is all good. You know, we will survive. Um, so I'm glad you made it, Toya. Yes. <laughs> Barely, but I made it. You did. Amen. (laughs) So we talked a little bit about this week as far as Hurricane Zeta is concerned. But other than that, you know, how are you doing? How's your week been? All that good stuff. Well, I'll tell you first, the week was rough. Let me tell you why. So Thursday at 4 a.m., our power went out. It was out until like 10 p.m. that night and so of course school was canceled for the kiddos thankfully so there's no power no cable no internet so entertain them oh gosh so entertain them you know you can only do so many puzzles and blocks and legos and books before they start like fighting with each with each other and like going crazy they're like can we watch something Oh. you know all of that and then Thursday or Friday mm-hmm. still no internet yeah at least we have power though um so it was another day of finding things to entertain them with I could not you know work yeah I work from home virtually and I need the internet uh to work and still no internet today so luckily mm-hmm. Um, Ryan's mom has internet, so I'm able to do Becoming Eva here this morning. Um, and then I also had to have a cyst removed from my head. Um, that was a real big earlier this week or that was this week too. It was, listen, I said it was a rough, rough week. Yeah. And (laughs) when you, when you get a when you have to get a cyst removed, um, they kind of like use a razor to like, you know, whack it off. And I was, you know, black, black women in our hair. I was like, are you going to shave my, my hair, you know, to remove it? And, you know, the lady was like, I'll try not to. And, you know, I saw a little strand when she, you know, put it in the little thing for the biopsy. And I was like, okay, it wasn't too, too bad. Were you? <laughs> but I was like, oh my gosh. And then she takes Vaseline and just like lops it on my head. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, when you get your hair straight and you can't be putting all that heavy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a rough week. Yeah. For me. Were you, you were awake the whole time? They just like numbed the area. They numbed it with a shot. <laughs> that was probably the worst part yeah a shot because I was like you're putting a shot in my head like yeah (laughs) 
So yeah, it was a rough week for me. My goodness. Um, but we are here. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. It's yeah. It is it's it has been a, a full week. I think I hit my my uh climax yesterday morning. I literally just had an emotional breakdown where I was just like, I'm gonna sit here and cry. <laughs> and I did for a good hour because I, I think I had I knew the last two months would be like busy and overwhelming, but there have been just different additional things that have been added to the pot that I wasn't planning on as life will do. And I was like already hanging by a thread. So it's like, okay, one more thing comes. So yesterday was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to sit here and cry and have a little talk with Jesus. And oh. I had a good conversation with one of my friends yesterday too. And she kind of helped me to strategize on how I need to move forward and, you know, um, reminding me, you know, to set boundaries, to say no when I can't, when I need to say no and to not be afraid to take things off your plate because it's like, I am very, and I, I've gotten tremendously better over the years, but I still have um, tendencies where, you know, especially if you see a need and you want to help, it's like, okay, I want to fill this gap. I know how to fill this gap, but it will take time, effort, and energy to fill this gap that I don't necessarily have in this season. So that's hard because you're like, okay, somebody else is going to have to fill the gap. I hope they can fill the gap the way it needs to be filled, but you know, so Oh, rough. And then work has just been off the chain. We've had a lot of late nights and a lot of early mornings. And so it just throws everything else off because when you can rest, it's usually like your body's like, what do you mean rest? It's light outside. You know, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And then when it does need to rest, I'm like, come on, let's go. We got to move. So yeah, it's, it's been off the chain, but yeah, needless to say, God is faithful. And um, we are we are living proof of that, Toya. So we we gonna make it. We are yes, gonna. we are. So I'm glad we made it this morning. And on top of that, it's Halloween. So um, what? It, how, first of all, I always I'm always curious to ask you know other women of God or other people of faith. Period. Like, did you grow up celebrating Halloween? How did you celebrate Halloween? Just what are your thoughts on it? So I actually only remember one Halloween that we actually went out trick-or-treating. My mom and my dad were not on the same page with the whole like Halloween, Mm -hmm. celebrating it. And my dad was like, you know, let them kids get some free candy, you know. (laughs) So he he took us one year and we made our costumes out of like paper bags that you get from the grocery store like cut holes and we uh drew things on it and we yes kind of like made you know costumes that particular year but other than that we did not celebrate halloween uh we did things at the church Mm -hmm. we have like a, a little like a i think they would call it um all saints day or harvest party gotcha like that and you would get candy and do activities it wasn't like the good candy though the church candy was never (laughs) the the good candy first of all what's the bad candy and what's the good candy the bad candy is like the cheap candy that you get from the dollar store like Like, any particular kind or is it just an off-brand of the good candy off-brand of the good candy 
or like mints and things. Not the mints, not the mint that been stuck in the bottom of your bag that stuck to the wrapper that got lint all on it. Oh no, not the lint. Oh my goodness. <laughs> cheap candy. <laughs> so the one year that we did go trick-or-treating with my dad, like it was just so wonderful to get all that, you know, free candy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but you know, my mom was always trying to drill into our heads like yeah. um why we did not celebrate halloween mm-hmm. but um with marrying ryan he grew up totally different from me and so his childhood was completely different like they went trick-or-treating they okay. celebrated halloween and so when we got married mm-hmm. kind of merge like our different beliefs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do like a costume party that's cool me. So the little, so our kids can like dress up and then we'll go to like his sister's house or Mm -hmm. his mom's house or our house. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll just do little games and activities with the kids so that they're still like, you know, having fun. We'll give them candy, stuff like that. Good. Very good. That's good. The trunk or treats too. We do the trunk or treats. Now the trunk or treats are those like neighborhood things or church things or both. Like who does those? So usually at the school, they do the trunk of treats and at the church, they do the trunk of treats. Okay. I mean, they can still dress up. Yeah. Cars and get candy from like people that we know and trust. And yeah, it's a little bit more comfortable doing that type of stuff. That's good. I I am all for like just reminding or or helping children to know that it's you can have fun and be a Christian too. And I know sometimes it's hard because you want to protect your children and you you know you don't necessarily know how to give them a positive alternative. But I think that's great. I'm still I'm still stuck on the whole uh, paper bag costumes because. <laughs> Girl, I used to make puppets that way. Like I take the little lunch bag ones and cut out the, yeah. And <laughs> tuck your little hand in there. So that is hilarious. Like the visual of the big ones. But yes. I mean, growing up for me, I was really close with my cousins. And so my mom and my aunt, um, you know, would you know, allow me and my cousins to, to uh, trick or treat together. And the stipulation was uh, <laughs> You can only do biblical characters if you. Oh go. wow! So I was an angel one year, and my cousins were like the three wise men because it was like, well, I have four of them, but I, I don't know. I think at that time the littlest one was too little to go out with us, so it was like <laughs> we always had like interesting little things like that you know or it, like you said if it was something at the church we would go and do that you know um we've had uh even as an adult i remember one year my church had a masquerade ball so just trying to find cool and different ways to switch it up and then um in high school uh, i had really fun costumes like me and my friends would, would like go out and i think one year i was like shanane from martin <laughs> And another year I was Urkel from Family Matters. So then one year we were like all just old ladies. So we used to try to do like fun comical things to just try to keep it light. But I've never, I've never been one for um like scary stuff. Like I I think we went to a haunted house one year and I had everybody crawling on the floor. And somebody was like, why are we crawling on the floor? And I was like, because I don't want anything to jump out and scare me. Like, <laughs> seriously. So, and scary movies. I mean, I tried to watch one or two, but after Candyman, I was like, it's a wrap. 
I'm good. This is yeah. not my genre. So scary movies are not my thing either. In college, <laughs> you know, I did try to do a little trick or treating because you know I was I was free. I was like nobody <laughs> could tell me I can't. So in college, I did do trick or treating in college uh -huh, um, uh -huh. around my neighborhood, which was at Oglethorpe University, like the uppity buck part of Buckhead. Yes, and yes. I just wanted to see what you know what it was all about. And uh -huh. so some people were like, "Aren't you a little too old to be trick or treat?" Oh Lord, what too old? And so I went with um, some friends, and so we were like. You're not too old unless you have kids of your own. Then you're you, too old to be going you, trick or treating. And then, and then when that's the case, then you just take some of their candy. Uh -oh. I don't know the difference. So, so, um, but all I to say, yeah. <laughs> Halloween growing up, I'm sure everybody kind of has their different feels. So, let's get into the topic at hand. We're talking about taking off the mask. We wanted to talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, we wanted to flip it up a little bit. We know everybody is getting dressed up and preparing to put on masks, but we wanted to flip it up a little bit and talk about taking off the mask. And I feel like our friend Mache last week, she did an excellent job of kind of segueing into this week's episode and talking about oftentimes why people have to put on the mask in the first place or why people try to put on the mask in the first place. So we want to um, definitely identify some of those reasons and then talk about why it's so important to take off the mask and how you can take it off, like steps that you can, um, you know, literally go through to, to not live a double life, to not feel like you have to have a representative all the time or an image all the time to maintain and uphold. Like we want people to be their authentic selves and to be free enough to be their authentic selves. So, all right, Toya, you there? We can jump in. I'm, I, I can hear. Okay. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Okay. So let's talk about, first of all, what does it mean to take off the mask? In my opinion, it means to be transparent and being authentic about your struggles and just being unashamed in who you are. That's what I think um, taking off the mask for me means. Very good. What do you think it means to you? I agree. I mean, I think that authenticity is real, <clears throat> being your real self. The sad thing is, I think some people don't necessarily know how to be them re their real selves because they may have always been trying to live up to somebody else's standards or expectations or model themselves after what they see on, you know, TV and social media, you know, or even just having close people in their lives where they just kind of morph into being whoever they're around, you know? And so I think sometimes for people, it's hard for them to try to figure out like, okay, who am I really? Who am I authentically, you know? And so sometimes it takes some time to peel off the layers and to even just spend time with yourself and figuring out, okay, what do I actually like? How do I actually think? How do I actually feel? You know, so sometimes it takes time for people to figure out who their authentic self is before they can really be their authentic self, if that makes sense. So, yeah, but why do you yes. think it's so important to take off the mask? I think it's freeing when you, when mask and others see you kind of take off your mask mm -hmm. and see you being transparent and authentic it, it frees them up 
allowing them to be their true selves. Yeah. Um, for me, I was reflecting on this all week. I had kind of a little breakdown mentioned earlier this week. And in some ways, when we do Becoming Eva on Saturdays, I feel like I put on a mask oh, um, wow. to prepare for the Becoming Eva podcast. And this week I had a little breakdown because about my self-image, the way I was feeling. Obviously I'm pregnant. So, you know, I've, I'm huge. And for me, when... After I have the baby, it takes me a while to lose that postpartum weight Mm -hmm. and it's a struggle. And so I was just thinking about how hard it's going to be this time because I've, I've gained a lot more weight uh, than my previous pregnancies. So I just was feeling down on myself. Um, I cried. Uh, Ryan was like, what's wrong with you? Like, what's, what's going on? And, you know, I, I told him you know, how I was feeling. And I just had one of those moments um, where I was just feeling like ugly and like bad about myself and struggling with my self-esteem. And here we are like trying to encourage others, but still dealing with some insecurities that, you know, we may still have and that we're working through. So every Saturday morning, I always you know, fix myself up a little bit more with a little bit more makeup and put on a nice little outfit to make myself um, feel better. Um, So to me, I think for me, it's a form of covering up about like my weight. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for like being so vulnerable and so transparent, like right now as it stands in this moment. I know, I know we're used to being vulnerable and transparent, but usually it's like past tense, like what we've already gone through, but like sharing where you are right now, even if it's not a great place, like that takes a lot of courage. And so I commend you for being honest about that. Uh, secondly, uh, Latoya Kashan Moore, you are beautiful. Like you are like fabulously beautiful, like Beyonce beautiful. And like, even when you're pregnant, you're like pregnant Beyonce beautiful, like do not. And I mean, of course I can't, you know, I don't necessarily know what you're feeling and what you're thinking, but I just want you to know from the outside looking, you know, from the outside looking at you, like, you know, not just externally are you beautiful but like inwardly you're beautiful um so I don't want you to feel like you know anybody is looking at you crazy I mean the great thing about zoom real talk is we only see you from what your shoulders up so (laughs) most people honestly unless you share during the show that you're pregnant they're they're probably now just hearing like oh wow she's pregnant you know so it's, I think you shared like on our first episode and maybe one other one, but all that to say, people really have to be listening and paying attention to hear you say, oh, I'm pregnant, we're expecting, because you can't tell like just looking at your, you know what I mean, at your shot um, on Zoom. So, but girl, the, the weight loss journey is real. You know, I know I'm struggling. I'm struggling without children. I'm struggling without children, girl. I'm like, why do I have a postpartum body with no children? Like what in the world? So 
Oh, it's all good, girl. Just know you're not alone. You are not alone. But thank you so much for sharing, like for real, um, where you are right now, because I feel like God actually uses moments like that as ugly as they are and as uncomfortable as they are to um, remind our listeners and to remind the people that are around us, like, hey, we're all in this together. You know, we all need this together. So um, nobody's alone. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're all on our different journeys, but we all go through, you know, similar things just at different times and in different ways. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. You're welcome. It was right on time for real, for real. So, but girl, it's, yeah, it's obviously been that kind of week where we all struggling and, and crying and, and stressing and whatever this week. So, <laughs> oh, what a great, what a great time to take off the mask. Amen. Amen. So, okay. So we're going to talk about four things that people are usually trying to cover up when they're putting on a mask. And it's interesting because I think the timing of this episode, y'all know if you've been keeping up with Becoming Eva for the month of October, you know, we have been talking about some heavy stuff this month. And so it's interesting because I feel like, you know, all four of the things that we're talking about have kind of been addressed um, or not even addressed, but are kind of, um, can be uh, symptoms or residue even of having gone through some of the other things that we talked about this week. If it's, you know, mental and emotional health, if it's dealing with infertility or just the challenges of motherhood, if it's, you know, dealing with some form of abuse. And so I think it's a great way to kind of tie up the month because it kind of helps close out some of the other things we talked about this month. So uh, the first thing that we want to talk about that we often feel like um, people are using the mask to cover up, and we actually mentioned this last week, is guilt, you know, guilt or shame. So um, what are some of the reasons that you think people may find themselves dealing with guilt? Definitely sin. Sin is a big one. I think a lot of times when we sin or have sinned in the past, we are shameful. Um, and sometimes the enemy will try to bring it up in your mind over and over, even though you've asked for forgiveness and you've gotten past it. But it still can make you feel really guilty about sins that you have done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes you feel shameful. Yeah. And I mean, I would say, of course, first and foremost, if you find yourself um, in sin immediately, like right now, present day, you know, repentance is a gift. I think oftentimes people look at repentance as like a punishment, like, oh, I got to go stand in a corner because I messed up. It's like, no, it's a gift. And like when you accept it, and when I say accept it, I mean, own up to whatever mistakes you've made, you know, and say, God, I'm sorry, you know, please forgive me and help me to change, help me to not continue to make this mistake. It's very freeing. Like oftentimes I think the hardest work or the hardest part is just identifying um, and admitting like, hey, I messed up. Cause usually we don't want to, like we're prideful or we feel like, you know, it'll be a sign of weakness if we admit, hey, we messed up or, hey, I'm in sin or whatever, you know? And so once we admit that and own up to it, it's like a weight is lifted immediately, at least from what I've noticed. And so I really try to make it a habit of um, repenting quickly. I don't always get it right. I wish I did, but I don't. 
you know, sometimes I'm wrestling, going back and forth with God, like, was that really a sin? Or was that really, can I, do I really have to change? You know, because if you admit that it's something wrong, you know, you're then responsible for trying to do better in the future. So I think that's another reason why people don't want to repent, you know, or change or admit that they've done something wrong. So sometimes I will be wrestling back and forth with God on that, you know, and then too, especially wives of y'all, you know, you know, you married, sometimes you got to repent to your husband. And so that's a even, that's an even greater challenge or struggle, because I feel like some, for some people, it may be easier to repent to God, because you can't necessarily see him. For some, it's harder, because, you know, it's God, like he's a creator of the universe. But when you actually have to look someone in the eye and say, hey, I messed up, like you see the hurt and the disappointment in their face and that makes it even more challenging. So, um, but yeah, I, I try to make it a habit of repenting sooner than later, but of course I don't always get it right, you know, um, but that, that is the way of escape, if you will, if you're feeling guilt right now for current sin. And then I will say for past sin, sometimes it's hard for you to forgive yourself. God has already forgiven you if you've, you know, taken the steps that we just talked about and asked for repentance. But sometimes it's hard for you to forgive yourself. You're still beating yourself up because you can't believe you allowed something to happen or you, um, you know, made a certain decision or, you know, what have you. And so in that case, like you really need to acknowledge the fact like, hey, I'm not perfect you know, nor will I ever be. I mean, until, you know, until we get to glory, until we get into to eternity with Jesus, but like, you're going to make mistakes. And so I think it's, it's important for you to acknowledge whether or not you need to forgive yourself. And, um, you know, some, in some cases it can be as simple as, you know, just making sure you acknowledge the fact that you need to be released. You need to release yourself. Some cases you may want to write yourself a letter, look yourself in the mirror, look yourself in the eye and just acknowledge what it is you're holding on to, you know, but, um, and, and we will say it, we've said it before. We'll say it again. Sometimes, you know, you might just need to seek a third party and get, you know, some type of therapy or some type of assistance, you know, um, outside of yourself or your friends or your family or your church. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but I think it's important to acknowledge whether or not you haven't forgiven yourself or you haven't accepted God's forgiveness. Yes, um, definitely forgive yourself. And when those thoughts come up in your mind, I think it's important to take control over those thoughts and replace those thoughts with a different, uh, with a different, more positive thought. And just don't, you know, beat yourself up over things that happened in the past. Yeah. Like everyone has a past. No one is perfect. Yeah, that's very good. And you you bring up a great point about replacing those thoughts with positive thoughts. Um, I always talk um, a lot about having to reprogram yourself at times. And so um, depending on what season I'm in or what I'm going through, I may um, literally do like a Bible search, a Bible study on like dealing with fear, dealing with guilt, dealing with shame, um, and research the scriptures that apply towards that. And so, for instance, if I feel like I always make mistakes, then I may find a scripture that says, 
I'm, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made, or I'm God's masterpiece. Um, sometimes it's hard for us to see ourselves as being a masterpiece if we're always looking at our, ourselves as being flawed and making mistakes. We actually talked about that a lot during our book club that we had um, this past summer. So whatever scriptures resonate with me that reflect God's word and his promises for me um, as it relates to whatever I'm dealing with, not only do I look them up and, and study them, but I write them down. I put them on like index cards or post-it notes. I put them in different places around my house. I have a, a prayer room that I may put it in on the wall so I can look at it and reflect it. I may put it on my mirror so that I'm looking at it every morning. I may put it on my dashboard um, Well, when I was commuting. But, you know, wherever I need to put it in order to constantly remind myself of God's promises. And then also, too, what I've done um, is recorded myself reading the promise with my name in it on my phone. And sometimes if I'm in a rush or if I'm on the move, I will play it if I don't have time to read it consistently. Because you want to positively reinforce God's promises and his words over your life as much as possible. Um, but yeah, those are some excellent ways, like you were talking about, Toya, to replace whatever negative thoughts that you have with um, God's word. So yeah, good stuff. All right, so anger. Anger is another big one. Yeah. Anger normally masks itself as pain. Uh, when you have undealt with pain, you're typically an angry person. Um, typically, you could spot those type of people out if they're always unhappy. Nothing that you do for them or to them makes them smile. They're just always upset about something you're like what is wrong with you yes. Yes. Uh, so sometimes when I see people like that their behavior um, sometimes you have to remember that they're probably covering up some undealt with pain that they have on the inside yeah that's very true and we talk about pain another thing that I think of is offense especially in this day and age. This day and age, cancel culture is like ruthless. Like you do something to get on somebody's nerve or disagree with them or go against what they want. And you are like erased, like never knew you, never heard of you. Like that's a mess. <laughs> that yeah. is a mess. But the fact that, I mean, people are very offended today, like very, very offended. And in some cases, yeah, I get it. We got, we, we live in a messed up world. We got a lot of messed up stuff going on right now, but it's like unappeasable. It's almost like people are like, there, there's no, there's no relief. It's like everything sets them off and everybody sets them off. And they're quick to just like slice and dice people and cut them, cut them off, like period. That is <laughs> anger at its finest, like at its finest. And we talked about what a person's behavior normally looks like. I mean, cancel culture, but you have any other thoughts on what anger looks like in this day and age? I think we, I think you pretty much summed it all up. Mm -hmm. um, with the whole canceling of culture and just just their body language is just always 
unhappy. They don't smile. They don't really laugh. That's real. A happy moment. They still have a frown on their face. Like, what's wrong now? <laughs> this is supposed to be a happy, a joyous time, or it's a party. Like, why are you looking like that? Yes. Fix your face. <laughs> yes. Oh my lord, a mess, a mess. So yeah, we we definitely know what it looks like. We definitely know what it looks like. But what I will say, and and I'm glad you mentioned this, like that anger is normally masking pain. I think it's important to for people that find themselves dealing with anger um, to really pinpoint what the source of that anger is, um, even if it's not pain. But I feel like in a lot of cases it may be pain or some type of offense that you have been carrying towards someone, maybe even towards God, just for, you know, because you hate the life you live or you hate the circumstances you're in or what have you. But all that to say, like, really, I think it's important to identify that pain because oftentimes the anger is just a defense mechanism. It's just like a protective barrier um, to shield whatever that pain is. So let's talk about how you identify that pain. Like, you have any thoughts on that? So I'll give a personal example. Okay. I Before starting becoming Eva, I prayed to the Holy Spirit and was like, revealed to me any unforgiveness that I may have um, that's hidden down in, inside of my heart. And immediately was my biological father wow. uh, that came up. Uh, and I was like, oh, wow, I thought I, you know, I thought I had already, you know, forgiven him for not being in my life for all those years and mm-hmm. still not really um, making, making a good effort in building the relationship. Gotcha. So I had some unforgiveness still um, hidden inside my heart for my biological father and it was it's it's pain it's a it's a painful place and it's not that when i would be around him that i would be angry or snappy you know it just felt like a awkward it always feels like this awkward uh tension and like things that he would say sometimes would make me angry mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> That's real. It would make me angry. Like he, I'll give an example. Um, He has a pool in his backyard and, you know, he was like, you don't know how to swim. Uh, Everybody knows how to swim. Why didn't you take, you know, lessons when you were a kid? Mm. And I was like, wow. I, I don't think he realized how offensive that statement is because you know, I grew up in a big family and both of my parents worked very, very hard and I knew that they couldn't afford Mm -hmm. to give us all swim lessons. And plus I had like other things going on Mm -hmm. in my life, like basketball, volleyball, track, cheerleading, everything, violin. And so when my younger siblings were doing the swim lessons, I was just like, I'll just, you know, I'll just wait mm-hmm. because I knew it was a financial burden. Yeah. And my biological father during that time was not um, paying child support. And so 
you know, my parents were very transparent about the mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was mature enough to know, hey, I don't, I maybe I don't need um, swim lessons right now because mm-hmm. I've got all these other expenses. Yeah. So when he says things like that, it makes me angry. Yeah. And so I had to deal with, <laughs> deal with that. That's anger. real. Um, and there's a lot, a lot more examples that I won't go into, but I ended up writing him a letter um letting him know how I felt and letting him know that I was I was forgiving him and releasing it um off of me um because you know the Holy Spirit revealed to me that you got some unforgiveness that you need to deal with yeah so I had to deal with it (laughs) wow and I it's we're still working through it Mm -hmm. but I, I I had to let him know get those things off my chest of the offense um, that he caused and the hurt that he has caused and mm-hmm. still causing. Absolutely. Know, day, so. Absolutely. Oh, Toya, that's so good. Like, that's so good. And um, I'm glad that you acknowledge that it's a process because it really is. Like, I know, um, you know, I, I definitely had my own fair share of daddy issues. You know, he, my parents were not married. Um, so I never had both of them in the same household. And uh, for most of my life, did not have them in the same state. Uh, but I would, you know, see him, visit him maybe once or twice a year or what have you. Um, and he did support me financially. I, I always shout that out and, and acknowledge that. Um, for him, provision, his, his definition of being a good father was the provision aspect, you know, you need anything, you know, are you taken care of? But emotionally, he just was not available. And physically, he, you know, we were in different states most of my life. So he just was not present a lot. And so I suffered a lot in that realm. And so I ended up doing a similar exercise, what you were talking about and writing him a letter. I actually did not give him the letter. I can't remember why. I think I did it more so as an exercise for myself. I was going through um, therapy at the time. And so Uh, I did end up writing him a letter and it gave me a lot of clarity because I did not realize that what he was doing, he thought was enough or was, you know, his definition of, of taking care of me. And I had a whole completely different definition of him taking care of me. And so it was, it, it was definitely a journey. You know, my father has since passed on, but I can honestly say that in the last few years of his life, you know, God really gave me the grace to, um, and the courage to honor him. You know, I actually flew up and and spent a week with him when he, his health had started declining to, um, take care of him and to physically be there for him. And then the last three weeks of his life, I was actually staying in his home with his, um, his brothers and their wives. And we were, you know, back and forth at the hospital, you know, back and forth with doctors trying to, you know, nurse him back to health. And then um, eventually at the end of those three weeks, he did lose his battle and um, passed away. But I'm glad that I was there, that I fought through all the awkwardness, that I fought through all of the um, past offense and anger and unforgiveness and really, um, you know, God graced me to be there physically for him. It was very uncomfortable. Can I tell you, it was very uncomfortable, like, because I was in a whole other world that I knew nothing about, you know, and um, 
with people that I hadn't really spent a lot of time with. And there were many times where I just wanted to go back home and be like, y'all call me and give me updates. But God was like, you are going to honor your father, you know, and the first father's day that I spent with him was actually the last father's day that he was here on this earth. And I'm so glad that I fought through all the awkwardness and all the uncomfortability, whatever you want to call it, the discomfort of being there because um, my presence was important for him and for me, if that makes sense. Like it really helped to give me the closure and the resolution that I needed in our relationship. And it's interesting because after he passed away, when I was, you know, making all the arrangements and, you know, meeting all of his friends at his wake and his service, like all of them knew about me and had something to say about me. I had no idea who they were. I had no idea (laughs) anything about them, but it was amazing how I found out in that moment, like, wow, my father was really proud of me. My father talked about me all the time. My father, you know, said this and did that. Now, I didn't experience that in my life, but, you know, I'm glad that I was able to experience it, even if it was on the other side of his life. So, but I I say all that to say, it's a journey and it's not a one-time snap your finger thing and, you know, all is well, all is forgiven. But I think if we are consistent and taking those steps to uncover those layers and to, um, you know, continue to do the work, even though it's hard and uncomfortable, that, you know, our hearts will begin to heal and release some of that pain and some of that anger. It's really important. So, good stuff. I feel like we could go on and on with anger, but I think we need to move on to greed. Are you, are you good? Yes. <laughs> okay. So greed. Um, and, and it's interesting because when we were talking about greed, like, um, and, and I actually want to go back to, cause I, I thought about the episode that we did with your husband, where he was talking about multiple streams of revenue. And it was an excellent episode, by the way, y'all. It was like our number three or number four episode for this season. So check it out if you haven't already. Great tips in there. But it made me really wonder, like, how do we know the difference between operating in greed versus just having a lot of drive and ambition? Like, what are your thoughts on that? So I was thinking about the same thing Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) when I I saw that question. And I was like, I wonder, you know, what Maya... (laughs) (laughs) what my was like is thinking like is Mr. Moore like have does he have drive and ambition or is it more of the greed with all those multiple streams of income and I started analyzing and thinking about it myself Mm -hmm. and I think you have to figure out what is your motivation absolutely behind it yeah so his motivation behind all those multiple streams of income is taking care of his growing family. Absolutely. And <laughs> building the kingdom. You right. Know? And building the kingdom at yeah. the same time. So he wants to be like a good provider mm-hmm. for his growing family. Now uh-huh. be a family of six. Yes. Uh, quite expensive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Start talking about all the kids doing extracurricular activities and they're growing like crazy, always needing new clothes, new shoes, all kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so
I think the motivation behind the multiple streams of income is not so that we can be, you know, the richest or have the fanciest house and Mm -hmm. fancy cars, but it's, it's to uplift and build the kingdom of God and to provide for, you know, our family. So I think you have to look at the motivation behind it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's what I was thinking. You know, for the record, I don't feel like your husband is greedy at all. But I will say this, and you, and if you watch the episode, and you, you know what part I'm talking about. I, I challenged your husband because providing for your family, and just like the story I just shared, my father took very good care of me financially. I did not want for anything financially growing up, and if I ever asked for anything, he was quick to stroke me a check but he was not physically there. And I struggled because of that, because emotionally I really suffered. So if you watch that episode, I actually challenged him a little bit in that because thankfully he's very present in his girls' lives. That's not the same scenario at all. But I know as a woman and once a little girl, how we need that emotional attention from our fathers as well. And so I'm always um, you know, a, um, quick to to point that out or um, challenge um, fathers in that area, just because I know that it's an area I struggled in. And so, um, but yeah, I don't think your husband is greedy at all. No, I don't. But, um, but I, I, I really do admire his drive and his ambition. Um, I will say even um, a great safeguard though for driving ambition. And I have to Um, you know, remind myself of this as well. Like God is still our provider. You know, I can put forward every effort and, um, you know, have, you know, millions of streams of, of, of income. And my husband can have millions of streams of income coming into this household. But at the end of the day, we still walk in faith and we still trust God. And we still have Sabbaths. We still make time for each other, which at certain times may seem it really is like a walk of faith, because if you think about it, at times you're like, God, I could be working overtime or I could be, you know, closing this deal or I could be doing that. But it's you have to trust God with your time and your resources. It's almost like the reverse side of tithing, you know, how you have to trust God when you don't have a lot to tithe. You have to trust God when you do have a lot with taking the Sabbath and taking a break and resting and going on vacation and turning off your phone at a certain time and having dinner with your family and protecting those moments, those spaces, because it can be very easy for you to think it all rises and falls on your shoulders when it doesn't. God has just graced you to, um, you know, to generate wealth. And it's always been his grace. It always will be his grace. Right. So I know that's a struggle that I have personally and something too that I challenge other people in as well that deal with drive and ambition because it's a great thing, but it can also be something that can edge out God easily um, in other areas of your life. So it's a delicate dance. It really is. You know, it's a, it's a, a hard balance or, a, um, you know, a, a tight line to walk but it's very important. Yes. And we're always talking about that balance. Like it's, it's not perfect. It's definitely a a process. And, you know, I definitely have to give those reminders like, Hey, let's have dinner with, with, as a family, like, okay, get off the phone. (laughs) You have to give those reminders like, Hey, it's family time now. So 
um, it's definitely a process. Yeah. And for everybody and God, God honors, God honors those steps that we take when we do prioritize, you know, appropriately as far as our family and our time is concerned, but girl, that's real. I know, um, just real quick story about cell phone. I, um, when I was working in full-time ministry, I was attached to my phone, like so much so that, you know how when you get a new phone, you have to like um, let it fully charge for a certain amount of time and it has to be like off. Like I would like agonize over like a two, finding a two to four hour window when I could turn my phone off and not feel like I was going to miss anything or miss anybody's calls. And um, like if you, <laughs> I would say this, if you ever seen the movie Devil Wears Prada, at, there was like a, a, a four, a, three to five year span of my life where I was like, yeah, I was her. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, and literally I would wait for like, you know, from like 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. or something like that to turn my phone off because I was just like, oh my God, I can't, I can't miss a call or I can't miss a meeting or I can't, you know. And when we were, um, when my husband and I were going through premarital counseling, he was like, so like, he treated my phone like it was like like another man. Like he'd be like, "Oh, when are you gonna get off your phone? Like when are you gonna?" You know, it's funny now because I feel like the tables have kind of turned. But all that to say, like the phone can really can really like wedge itself in into some relationships. So it's it's yeah, it's it's important. So do we have an anecdote? I think we kind of talked about the antidote for greed, but do you have any, any thoughts on the antidote or the solution for greed? If you are struggling with greed, I would just say work on your giving. Give to others that are in need um, to kind of help you balance, balance that greed out. If you, if you are struggling with greed, find ways to give. That's good. I feel like too, contentment is a good anecdote for greed too, because we can easily get in this rat race where it's like, okay, I got to have this next, or I got to have that yet next. And it could be with the, with the right motivation behind it. But if we don't take time to celebrate and enjoy and appreciate what we do have, it can easily like just trigger you to keep going and to, you know, constantly to take for granted what you do have. I'll say that. So I feel like contentment is a good antidote for greed as well. Yeah. Yes. All right. Shall we dive into jealousy and insecurity? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, what causes us to experience jealousy? Comparison. <laughs> Definitely comparison. Always trying to compare yourself to others like what someone else has or yeah. what they're able to do what they look like just always making comparisons yeah absolutely and I don't know what it is about women but we compare ourselves a lot uh a lot and maybe you know well I would say even before, before social media but I think social media has kind of magnified um the vice of comparison if comparing yourself to others because you're looking at everybody's highlight reel like all day and it's very easy to forget that this is their highlight reel this is not their everyday 
normal moment to moment lives. Like these are their wins, you know, and rarely do you find someone that shares their lows as often as their highs on social media. So if you get caught up in that world and that's the only way that you engage with somebody instead of like, you know, the way we used to like on the phone, out to lunch, having coffee, <laughs> then, and, and all you see is on social media, then it's very easy to get deceived. So jealousy, I think is a, a huge byproduct of, of social media. Um, let's talk about how you safeguard against jealousy. I think contentment, mm -hmm. uh, being content with your, your own life and mm -hmm. what you have and what God has blessed you with Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely a safeguard against jealousy, just being thankful for your blessings and Absolutely. not comparing your life to anyone else's and just being content. With yeah. That. Absolutely. Celebrating what you do have. Cause I feel like that's a huge part of contentment, not just being like, Oh, I'm okay. I got enough, but like really appreciating what you have, you know, and enjoying what you have, taking time to enjoy what you have. Um, and then also too, on a social media tip, I would say real practically, I have seasons where I, where I don't mess with social media, you know, if, uh, if it's because I'm fasting and I'm literally doing a social media fast or just fasting in general, I just may be like, oh, I'm not looking today. You know, some people have to go so far as to delete their apps off of their devices or close their accounts for a minute. If, you know, if they just find themselves wandering over there, but like, don't be all up in social media multiple hours of every day. Like that's time that you could be using towards other things, more productive things. And so um, if you need to cut some time off with that, then do it. I, you know, I encourage people to do that all the time or to just limit your time. You know, like I may say, okay, I'm gonna check on my lunch break and just see what's going on, but I'm not, I'm not going to be on there hours upon hours upon hours because it just, can really, really fuel the jealousy monster, as we like to call it. So, yes. Yeah. And contentment is so important because if a person is not content, I think they're always looking for the next thing that they think will make them happy. Like, yeah. I'll be happy when I have a spouse, or I'll be happy when I have kids, or I'll be happy when I'm in the right career or when I retire and if you're always looking for the next best thing you're never content with what current season you're in and then yeah. once you get that thing that you think you want you're still not happy like exactly. wait a minute I thought you said you'll be happy <laughs> once you got that spouse now you're still not happy what is it now like you're always going to be unsatisfied and looking for something else which is extremely unhealthy. Very good. I love it, Toy. So I thought you was going to be happy. <laughs> I love it. That's true. That's very true. If you're not happy now, whatever you're waiting for or hoping for is not going to make you happy. Like your joy, it comes from within. The word of the Lord says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Like our joy comes from him. It's the fruit of the spirit, the Holy Spirit. So get to know him if you don't and you're not happy. Like get to know him. Um, let me talk real quick about insecurity and then I know we're going to wrap up, but, um, insecurity, I feel like it's closely tied to jealousy. Um, and sometimes I think 
we compare ourselves to others because we're not confident in who we are and who God created us to be. And I think that kind of goes back to as well, not really knowing ourselves enough. And so I would encourage, you know, every, every person that's, you know, listening to this podcast, um, I especially want to shout out women because of course we're women. That's who, you know, we know uh, a lot of women watch this podcast or listen to it, but like really take some time to, you know, to, figure out how God shaped you, you know, what your likes are, what your dislikes are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, you know, how you've, um, the experiences that you've had and, and how God wants to use them to impact others. Because the Lord, the more you learn about yourself and how God created you, I think the more you'll begin to value and appreciate yourself. And then again, you know, I can't emphasize enough reinforcing God's word, you know, when you don't feel um, like you're the greatest or the prettiest or the specialist, you know, I know for me, um, Psalm 139 is where I felt like when I really started to take in that passage of scripture, I always joke and say, that's when I got my swag, because I feel like it just reminded me of how intentional God was when he created me and that he created me for a purpose. And so I have to remind myself from time to time, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I have to remind myself from time to time that, you know, he sees me, that he knows me, that he loves me and that he's, you know, he's with me, whether I'm experiencing an incredible high or an incredible low, you know, but I think that's a great way to kind of counteract insecurity, which can also fuel jealousy. So yeah. yeah. Anything else you want to share on jealousy? No, just be happy with what God has given you and don't compare yourself to others. Um, don't just because society may make you feel like you have to have a perfect body, a perfect image. Um, don't get sucked into that. And you know, because sometimes we analyze ourselves and sometimes we, we may determine like maybe if I had lighter skin or longer hair, then I would be more desirable or more attractive. And that can definitely um, fuel insecurities and jealousy when you start comparing yourselves to others. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it even starts at young ages. So make sure we're uplifting and building up, you know, our children at early ages so that they don't grow up um, having insecurities and, and having jealousy when comparing themselves to others. Absolutely. Yeah. And can I just say confidence is attractive. Like, I don't think women, a lot of women realize that you ask any man, if a woman walks into a room and she is sure of herself, and she, you know, she knows who she is. She knows God is with her. She knows what she's called to do. It's like all eyes will like shift to that person because there's just an aura around them. Confidence is attractive, you know, and be the best you, be the you that God called you to be, be the best you. The only person you should be comparing yourself to is yourself. If you're trying to lose weight, okay, I weighed this much last month or last year, whatever. Let me try to weigh less this year, this month, whatever. Or, you know, if I'm trying to grow my my hair out or if I want to be healthier or I want cleaner skin or whatever compare yourself to yourself you know that's a healthy that's a healthier comparison I should say and just try to be the best you that you can be you know so good stuff all right shall we transition into noble character and I know I think we were both struggling with this this week so I don't know if you came up with anybody um I have a semi somebody but 
Do you have anybody you want to share? I do. Yay! This is a throwback person. Okay. okay. <laughs> Prophetess Juanita Bynum. Amen. I remember, I don't remember how old I was, but I was young. And uh-huh. I remember listening to her sermon on No More Shoes. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so I remember... Um, listening to her talk about battling her flesh and her longing for a husband and the bed sheets represented all the empty sex that she had had with men Mm -hmm. in the sermon i remember her saying why am i not married and Mm -hmm. her how it was difficult for her to uh, listen to anyone preach about being single when they had a pair of thighs in their bed every night (laughs) so (laughs) she talked about wanting to to wanting um someone mm-hmm. uh, speak to her as it relates to the struggle that she was experiencing yeah so i'm picking her because that's the first person that i can truly remember that seemed transparent about their struggle absolutely walk um and her no more sheets very similar to taking off the mask and mm-hmm authentic uh and so that's why i'm picking her that's an excellent one i actually thought about her this week and i do remember no more sheets now i was not as young as you when i watched it but (laughs) i do remember i do remember no more sheets and that's a that's an excellent one um mine for this week is actually along similar lines but i'm actually going to do uh dr joyce myers she actually has a wealth of um, content and material on, um, you know, dealing with things like insecurity. Um, Battlefield of the Mind is one of her books that really jumps out to me uh, because that whole thought process that we can get caught up in dealing with, you know, guilt and shame is, is real. And um, she talks about how to reprogram your thoughts with um, God's word. And so uh, my shout out, is Dr. Joyce Myers. So Prophetess Juanita Bynum and Dr. Joyce Myers, you both are women of noble character. Yes. And then my half one that I did want to do a shout out on the, the four ugly emotions that we talked about actually um, were inspired by a book by uh, Pastor Andy Stanley. Uh, and it's called, it, it, re- it was called, it came from within, but I feel like since then they've rebranded it. So I was trying to find the new title to tell you all, but if you still look up, it came from within by Pastor Andy Stanley, it should still come up so yeah I wanted to give him a shout out too since he did inspire the four ugly emotions that we talked about so all right let's get into our BE challenge so last week's BE challenge was take was to take a step toward identifying or confronting an area of abuse you have experienced or Mm -hmm. maybe currently experiencing Mm -hmm. this week's BE challenge is to identify which ugly emotions you are dealing with or experiencing and take one step towards addressing it. So next week, we're going to be talking about building trust and intimacy. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast app, subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook at Becoming Eva. That's today. That's one word. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Becoming Eva today. See you soon. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Click subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast. 
Check us out at becomingevatoday.com or email us at becomingevatoday.com. See you next time. time.